Hi, it's Clancy Overall here, editor of the Batuta Advocate. I don't know if you know, very clear to us here in the newsroom and in Western Queensland, that rugby union is back. There are a few grim years there. There were a couple uh, high-profile Kiwis that took the reins at the Wallabies. Many would argue they were sleeper cells. We've been damaged. We've been battered. At the Super Rugby level, we've been overshadowed by our Kiwi neighbours for quite some time. But as of 2021, after a long pandemic, it's become very clear that Rugby Union is back. So when you think Rugby Union, we want you to think about Lottie Takiri, Wendell Saylor, when they came across, steaming down the wing. We want you to think about Digby Yuani breakdancing in front of 45,000 screaming Queenslanders. We want you to think about Tim Horan holding up the William Webb Ellis. We want you to think about John Eels' kick, John Eels' conversion in the 2000 Bledisloe Cup. And of course, Todd Kefu scoring a try on the bell the year after. And of course, we want you to think about our girls winning gold at the Olympics. An Olympic gold for Australian rugby. But most importantly, in 2021, we want you to think about the new Batuta Advocate podcast, Ruck Me Dead, where we'll be covering everything in Australian rugby each week. And the people to tell you about it is Errol Parker and Wendell Hussey each week on Ruck Me Dead. Now, this is the third episode we're going to play for you today. So tune in, have a listen. And if it's your cup of tea, if this beautiful thing, the game they play in heaven, is what you live for, follow Ruck Me Dead on their main feed on all podcast channels. Now, that's enough from me. I'll hand over to the other fellas. Waratahs coach is gone. The Brummies and the Reds keep rolling and a sad day for the French. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Dead podcast. My name is Errol Parker and with me here in the boot as always is Wendell Hussey. We're here to talk about some very big developments in Super Rugby that have happened over the week and none bigger than what happened with the Brumbies and the Force over the weekend. Yes, that certainly was the story of the week, that game down there in the capital. There was also the uh, major announcement made by the New South Wales Waratahs, which they posted on social media before making the announcement and mm-hmm. immediately let everyone know that Rob Penny was getting sacked. Wallabies got announced as well this week, yep. and there was a couple of cracking games over in New Zealand. Yep, and there were a couple good games in Europe, but I think we should start with the biggest news out of Super Rugby this week, the Brumbies have won. So now they spin it back open. Hanson holds it up, then rips one. Why? Do you know who? Samu working it down the far side and getting knocked in a touch by Jake McGregory came from nowhere. That's a huge hit. Now let's kick off this week down in the Bush Capital. The Brumbies took on the force on Friday night. 42 points to 14, Errol. The force got rolled. Yeah, they did, mate. The uh, The Brumbies bounced back from their loss two weeks ago in, uh, in a real big way. I think uh, they really came out strong in the first half. They blew the force out of the water. Didn't really give them any ball. Didn't really give them any chances to, uh, to score points. But uh, 
I think they had 67% of the possession in the first half and 85% of the territory. That just goes back to the old adage, mate. You just cannot win a game of football without the ball. No, you certainly can't. And the the Brumbies effectively just set up camp in the force half. They just said, we're in here for the next 40 minutes. I think the force had maybe like one play inside the Brumbies 22 yeah. and a couple inside the half. The Brumbies were just down there on the force try line and just battering and battering and battering. And I don't know how the force held out for as long as they did, really. Well, mate, credit to them. They did have, have probably one of the better defensive games I've seen them play. You know, the as you were saying, the Brumbies, they set their embassy up down there on their 22 and they were just going through set play after set play and just trucking balls straight up into the force and the force credit to them just put up a wall but you know and like with any wall mate there is always a way through a wall you just need to find it yeah eventually the Brumbies camp did get the fire going they started roasting marshmallows when big Lenny Ikatow burst over and scored a nice try there he had a sensational game actually I think he might push Geordie Pattaya for that 13 jersey for the Wallabies Mm. love big Lenny Strong, nice carry of the ball, really good offload, good sleight of hand. He actually, nice moment, I don't know if you noticed, after he scored that try, Mac Hansen came over and gave him a big cuddle, and they shared a nice little kiss, gave him a kiss on the cheek to celebrate that try for Mac Hansen's part in it and helping out. I thought that was really nice. A good, healthy display of, uh, of emotion. That was just something little that I noticed. Good to see those two boys um, showing each other a bit of affection after the try. Well, it is great seeing that. But look, I'm not sure if uh, this scoreline's, again, as I think we say this every week, I don't think this scoreline's truly indicative of what this game mm. was. But the Force did cop uh, nine penalties, maidens. Uh, so I'm, I'm not really sure if it's quite positive rugby that that helped the Brumbies get to 42 points or if the Force just handed it to them, really. There was a bright moment, though, for the Force, wasn't there, with um, young Jack McGregor yeah. flying in on Pete Samu down there on the wing and bump. Yeah. I made, mate, I heard the whip crack from Alice Springs, which is where oh. I was uh, over the weekend, and it was, uh, it was a brutal tackle. But he got up. And and that's one thing that you've got to do. Mm. You know, you've got to take your licks. If if you get smashed, the only reason why you shouldn't be getting up is if you know you, you you've got an acquired brain injury, and yep. that the signals just aren't getting from your brain to the rest of your body to get yep. up. Yeah, even if you've had the wind absolutely knocked out of you, and you don't think you'll ever breathe again, you got to find a way to get back up on your feet and you've move got around. to get up. I do love Big Pete Samu, though, and, you know, I love the shirt tuck in that he does. He always has his shirt tucked into his shorts. He's got that mo, the mullet. I'm, I'm all about him, and I think he needs more time in the Wallabies camp. But that the was shirt. a huge, huge play from Jack McGregor. He literally, as he's getting towards the try line, he goes, ah, and does the pulls the face like, I'm going to bump this guy and score the try, and big old Jack just comes flying in and knocks him out. It was great to say. I couldn't believe he did it. Not sure if I'm a fan of the shirt-tucking thing. You don't like it? It's a bit funny. Like, it's 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 a bit weird, you know. It implies that, you know, you don't like being tackled. Yeah, you reckon? They do it a lot in soccer, which is and a the good jerseys, point. They don't like being tackled. Well, in soccer, I think it's illegal to grab mm. people. I don't really know. But, yeah. um, look, Aesthetically, I just think it looks nice. But there's one thing that I think we can agree on is I like the way that both teams flog their benches. Mm. I mean, every single person that came off that field had played 
a good amount of rugby, and I think that's very important moving forward, especially this early on in the season, to give yes. as much people as much game time as possible. There is nothing worse than sitting on the bench for 70 minutes and then getting on, have a little bit of a run around, but the play's like slow and broken down and not too much is happening, and then you have to go and join the boys in the showers afterwards, and you haven't really earned it, particularly no. if you're a back. You, you know? probably could have had the shower back at the hotel. I mean, there, yeah. there is, I know exactly what you mean, there is nothing worse than playing 10 minutes at full back or wing or something. And then you go into the showers. It's just not a satisfying feeling. No. Where one of the best feelings in rugby is that you have is that after a big game, in the mud, in the dirt, covered in sweat, other people's blood, your blood, mm-hmm. and you get in the showers with the boys, and you just have a good shower, and the the water at your feet turns a brownie, you know. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of yellow sometimes in there as well. <laughs> the water at your feet, uh, you know, turns that rich mixture of brown and yellow, you know, mm. that real dehydrated the tinges piss color. of yellow, yep. yeah, 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 delicious. Just, the cacophony of noise around you as well. The, yeah. <laughs> the boys are loud. Someone might even have some speakers on there. Just it's 20 glorious. boys mm. in there, you know, in the showers like a mob of cattle in a dam after you've just been walking them for half a day and they go up to their knees in the dam and they're just pissing in the water, drinking it, having a good old time, you know. Earning that rest. Yes, yeah. It's a special, special feeling. I also um, just quickly want to touch on another thing which I find aesthetically pleasing. Laurie Fisher is sitting up in the coach's booth there at uh, GIO Stadium. Bucket hat on. Dark, nighttime, under lights, still got the bucket hat on. You reckon he ever takes it off? I think he would take it off to shower, but that'd be about it. But I think there is no finer person in Australian rugby, in my opinion, mm than Laurie, yep. and he is a pioneer of the bucket hat. He was the the trailblazer mm-hmm. for coaches to wear bucket hats. Yep. And I think that people who wear the bucket coat aren't necessarily copying Laurie at all. They're just doing it in honour of Laurie. Yep. And I think every time you don your Brumbies bucket hat or whichever mm-hmm. team you follow, you're channeling a bit of lorry each, yeah. each time you do it. It's an iconic clothing staple, the yep. Brumbies bucket hat. We probably do need a Batuta Mutt's bucket hat as well, I reckon. Um, I just want to finish off with something that I found a little bit surprising, actually, on um, Friday night. As everyone would probably know, Sonny Bill Williams, huge signing for Stan Sport. Yep. Love it. Love a bit of Sonny Bill, big fan. Was a little bit confused on Friday night, though, because I flicked across to the Rugby League after watching the Rugby Union there. Obviously watched the Force and Brumbies live, and then I flicked across to the Rugby League, the the Bunnies and the Roosters, you know, a bit of a whatever, a bit of a, I think it was a big game or something in Rugby League, I don't know. And I noticed that Sonny Bill Williams was really... Uh, doing a lot for them for that game, the Bunnies and the mm-hmm. Roosters. He was in the commentary booth with the boys. He was down on the sideline talking, all that sort of stuff. I don't know. I just think, like, yeah, I guess the Bunnies and Roosters, Friday night, like all those narratives, maybe it's a big game. But surprised he wasn't out at GIO Stadium for the Force and uh, Brumbies on Friday night. Yeah, look, mate, that took me by surprise too. I mean, I, I you know, of course he does have experience with, uh, with the Roosters, as we all know. He played a lot of games there. Yeah, but look, I I was really disappointed that they didn't force him to go down to Canberra and mm. you know interview people that have come off. Um, yep. You know, just just getting some rugby commentary experience. I think maybe uh, Sonny Bill just had a bit of an IOU to Nick Politis there, which he might have had to. Yeah, yeah, very true. Very true. Good, good call, Dave. He has to uh, do a few more favors for Uncle Nick just yet. Yeah. And then Saturday night. 
we had the Reds and the Waratahs. Big run over the top. Hegarty, Tupo, Tupo down the wing. Tupo's a try scorer. Oh, wow. Jeez, my Reds are humming. They're looking so good. They were, mate. And I bet you weren't nervous that they were going to go down. They're looking for their first win down in Sydney in, in what was it, eight years? No. Is it? Was it really? Yeah. They, the, the, they hadn't won in Sydney the Reds for eight years. haven't won in Sydney for eight years, and they broke the drought. They won the Rod Templeton Cup, and that win has uh, springboarded them past my Brumbies to the top of the table, Wendell. In my head before this game, there was no way they could lose. There just wasn't. No, no matter what had was, happened, James O'Connor no going down, Tate going down, there was just no way they were going to lose to the Waratahs this yeah. weekend. Mate, I reckon that Rob Thorne, he could have made the Reds run all the way down to Sydney from Brisbane down the Pacific Highway, mm. play the game as soon as they got there, and then turn around and run back, and they would be right for next week. There definitely were some really positive things from the Reds. Some really great signs from Suliasi Vunavalu again. He's starting to look really, really comfortable in the 15-man code. Hopefully that injury is not too serious. Down Gurnia was looking good. All of the Reds actually were looking really good. Love big Hot. Sevu Uru at eight. Yep. He's in the Wallabies squad, which we'll talk about. Very excited for him. I think he could be a great lock for us. Mr. Hunter Paisami just doing what he does. And Tate McDermott starting to look really good too. And I, I couldn't help but think with Tate. Yep. He scored two tries now in two weeks back to back. His hair's starting to grow back a little bit longer. I know Brad Thorne, I think it was last year, Big sergeant, big army sergeant Brad Thorne made Tate cut his hair. Didn't like his surfy locks. Made him cut his hair, get a mm-hmm. really tight haircut. He was still playing really well, but he seems to have hit a bit of a purple patch of form. And I can't help but think that maybe the longer hair for him, the bit of expression, that's just who he is. He's just feeling himself. He's just getting out there. The running game's back. The passes are on point. So, Brad, please don't send him down to the barber and get it trimmed up just yet, all right? Well, Brad, I think uh, I think he needs to take a look at the fact that you know his favourite rugby player of all time, Jesus Christ, had head down to his shoulders, and um, I think a lot of Jesus's powers came from the fact he had head down to his shoulders. So I think Brad should let his boys have the same hairstyle mm. as as the halfback for the Nazareth fucking first first fifteen. Yeah, don't like, crucify a bloke for just trying to be the best version of himself, Brad. Now there was another thing that caught my eye actually on the the Friday night game. Taniella's big boof of Carlo Tizano as he yep. scored that try that gave me chills. Yeah, as you you would have heard uh, in the intro uh, to this little section on the Waratahs, Tupo running over Carlo. Didn't see that coming. If there was one thing leading into this game, I wasn't going to uh, expect to see. It was someone running over Carlo. Yeah, if, if there was anyone in the Waratahs that you'd back to put a shot on Big Tong and Thor, it would be Carlo, but he turned into a little speed bump. Also, we mentioned the rugby league game on Friday night between the Bunnies and the Roosters. You Classic wouldn't notice. Game. There was a few celebrities. The Hemsworth, uh, Natalie Portman was there, Goldblum. All, all of those guys with um, Russell Crowe. And it was really great to see on Saturday night, back there at ANZ, Bob Dwyer doing the same thing for the Waratahs. <laughs> we had Arj Barker, we had Anthony Kalea, Lee Harding, I think Hilary Duff as well. So there was some some big names getting out for the Waratahs and Reds and really enjoying some good footy. So great stuff from Bob Dwyer there, I think. Mate, imagine if you'd if you'd worked your whole life as an actor, you know, you're heavily lauded and you're just here in this country in this COVID paradise to film a movie and someone asks you to go down to GIO, obviously in the back of a Beamer mm. or something like that. You go there and you just watch this game and not know what's going on and then you get back in your car and you go back to the hotel and you're just like, 
what the fuck was that? Mm. It'd be very confusing. It would be very confusing, but Ed Sheeran was at the AFL, um, which is um, typical. He's a bit of a space cadet, and you have to be mm. a bit of a space cadet to like that game. But there is uh, there is an elephant in the room that we need to address with the Waratahs, and that is the sacking of their coach, Rob Penny. So we, I, I just think we need to put out a bit of an apology to um, every Waratahs player that we've mm. insulted. Apologize to Rob Penny himself. It's clearly not their fault that, th- that their season has gone absolutely pear-shaped. The real problem, as evidently now, is the board. The board has no faith. The Waratahs season was in the shitter. Why wouldn't you just take the chance to build a team over the rest of this season and try and get some cohesion? That's what the Chiefs have done and the Chiefs have come good. A sports team is not a business. You, you know, they're not a sales team that you can sack, you know, that they don't have targets. These are people, this is, you know, it's it's completely different beast. And this is the same board that has run the Waratahs into the ground over the last couple of years. They've completely turned the Waratahs into this young Colties team, which Rob Penny, must have been listening to the podcast, he referred to the boys as a Colts team last week. And now they're just sacking Rob Penny and expecting things to be fixed by promoting the two assistant coaches who have been there the whole time anyway to become interim coaches. And whenever has getting rid of a coach halfway through a season ever helped? It's never helped. It's a knee-jerk reaction. And if the Waratahs go the rest of the season and don't win off a game, which which could, which yeah, could yeah. happen, unless maybe they get a cheeky win over the Rebels or something in eight weeks' time, do you think they'll sack the board? No. No. No way. I mean, maybe they're looking right now to find new jobs for the board, to get the board moved on to maybe like a mining company. Santos maybe moving around, something like that. This poor coach, he's got no cattle. He's got Hooper over in Japan playing good rugby, Mm. and he's learning too under Steve Hansen of Mm. All Blacks fame. (laughs) He's learning some good shit over there. He'll be back here in four months. And so what Rob Penny is to blame for the fact that the New South Wales board and the people in charge of the organisation have given him potty calves. Yes. They've given him potty calves to take out and uh, do something with. They've given them potty calves Mm. that sit in the fucking yard and they just drink the milk out of the fake plastic tit and they're just not learning. The only thing that I can think might be coming out of this is the domino effect of what's happened in England. Maybe... Eddie Jones is going to get sacked because uh, Warren Gatlin is apparently looking at houses he in is. the Twickenham area, which means he's got the England job. He's, he's looking at – he went to a house inspection in the Twickenham area, so he's as good as got that job. So he'll go and take over England, which means Eddie will be in need of a job, which means maybe we could get Eddie to the Waratahs, which it would be a hospital pass for him, but if anyone could turn it into a line break, a get over the game line – It'd be Eddie. If anyone can get the Waratahs to two or three wins this season, it's probably Eddie. But my heart goes out to Rob Penny, and I hope he finds a, a good job and he finds some good cattle and he finds wherever the hell he lands. Yeah, look, I know it's not all Rob Penny's fault, but I think he does have to take a little bit of responsibility as well. I know he's not got a lot to work with, but there are things that can be done. And when you look at Jack Maddox make a break uh, down the sideline against the Reds and he goes to ground... And there's five Reds coming and counter-rucking and a single Waratah trying to secure the ball. That's nothing to do with skill. That's just like hard work, training, attitude, all that kind of stuff. Maddox did it again, turnover penalty. Like there is obviously attitude issues at the Waratahs as well. And at a certain point, is Rob Penny going to turn that around? I don't know. The whole thing's a fucking mess. The whole thing is a complete mess. A winning culture breeds 
a winning team. Mm. Uh, now we should move on to some rugby from Kiwiland, which of course is only available on Stan Sport here in Australia, live and ad free. The Highlanders took on Geordie Barrett on yep. Friday night. Again, Wookaleeweary, Karifi sends it away to Campbell White to Ledger. Here's Barrett. Barrett. Barrett still on his feet. Barrett's in. Geordie Barrett scores. Out into contact. Now here's Numia. Gets the call from Barrett. Inside pass from Ray Arcee. Slips it to Barrett. And Geordie Barrett does it again. Now Campbell. Lomax. Change of direction. Barrett. Oh, boy, he's got a hat trick. Geordie Barrett. Yeah, Geordie Barrett really uh, was a bit of a one-man band yep. on uh, <laughs> uh, on Saturday night. Every single point? Yep. Every single point. Yep. Off the boot, off the hand. Jeez, I'd but give anything for a guy like Geordie. The Canes, they were unstoppable. And that all came from Geordie. Fuck, he can sink him from anywhere, can't he, as well? He that can. boot of his is a monster. It was good to see the Hurricanes win this, actually, because I was starting to wonder like, if it was just the Crusaders and the Blues over there in Super Rugby Aotearoa. No. But it God, seems no. like it's pretty even. Obviously, the Crusaders are just miles above anyone, and no one's coming close to them. But, yeah, it's good to see the, the bit of parity between those other kind of teams. No, no, well, you know, I guess there's nothing really more to say about that game than every team kind of wishes that they had a Barrett brother. Yep, <laughs> which was even more evident when the Chiefs rolled the Blues at the death, 15 points to 12. But the offload is a good one. Oh, Jacobson! Jacobson away! Just taking it by the ankles that close to the line. Here's the chance for the Chiefs. After 13 minutes, the Chiefs had already won 20 rucks, which I think was pretty indicative of what this game was like. Very forward heavy. Yeah, this felt like a cold night in sale kind of game. Mm. The definition, <laughs> not Kiwi rugby. Not Kiwi rugby. Like no. the three. Damian McKenzie's try at the end to win it. Obviously hot as shit, but the rest of it just felt like a grind, an arm wrestle. I mean, you know with the Stan Sport highlights, when you open the highlights package and you're already up to the 22nd minute. There was just nothing in the first 22 minutes that they deemed worthy of a highlight. You know what kind of a game you're in for, I feel like. Yep. It was great to see the the Chiefs finally get the win there. The Blues kind of just turned up looking to win, really. Like, even at the 77th minute, they're up by four points. They're down inside the Chiefs 22. Yep. Just taking things to be casual, like, righto, we're going to score here. We're going to do these blokes. And then all of a sudden, bang, Chiefs get the turnover, penalty, march up the other end ridiculous offload. Luke Jacobson goes through, goes down. Potentially that was a forward pass to the guy he gives that goes down. But anyway. It went backwards. It went backwards. Backwards out of the hands. Let's not get started on that. Let's not go there. And then Damian McKenzie grabs the ball. I thought maybe he'd cooked it because there was like three Mm. Blues defenders around him. He was a little bit kind of isolated. There were like backs outside him. So, you know, if they come to clean out, they're probably going to come in from the side and fuck it up and the Blues earn a penalty and it's all (laughs) over. But somehow he like skirts out of it. Bang, dots down, all the boys come down on top of him, big pile on, love to see it. Well, in the dying minutes of that game, though, the, both teams had won 80 rucks each. Yeah, right. Which just goes to show that, you know, it was a contest that was ultimately decided in the rucks, and I think that is clearly shown by the fact that the Blues conceded 12 penalties to the Chiefs' nine, and, mm-hmm. and in the end, it was really a penalty goal that separated the two teams with uh, the the Chiefs getting theirs and the Blues missing theirs. So we could have had a tie, but 
I'm happy that the Chiefs now have two on the trot. Yeah, yeah. A real game for the piggies, eh? You'd have a lot, it of, was, the, mate. lot of the forwards going, oh, Jews backs, <laughs> combing the hair out the sideline. Don't mind us, boys. We're just going to get to work. Mate, the water passing everyone's feet in the showers after mm-hmm. that game would have looked like crude oil. Yeah. It would have been satisfying. <laughs> I mean, just seeing, you know, a piss darker than a schooner of reshes just landing on your mate's foot, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing better. That Waikato soil, lovely. But there was one back out there who was doing his best forward impression. Once yeah. again, Caleb Clark. He would be so hard to tackle. I mean, he just goes out there and catches bodies the whole time. But Get a bag. I know that lots of big boys have a lot in the uh, acceleration department, but once he gets up to speed, he gets those legs pumping and pumping and pumping. He would be the hardest person not the hardest person, but one of the hardest people in world rugby to stop once he gets going. He has the thickest thighs. Mm. I mean, like, he would... Thick thighs. Mate, he'd be able to push a bus up fucking mm. Bondi Road. He's a strong man. Now that we mention it, who would be the man you would least like to tackle one-on-one? Taniela Tupo? Caleb Clark? Caleb Clark. Caleb Clark, you reckon? 100%. Yeah. I mean, you just have to get your life insurance in order and then just run at him. Yeah. Just, just don't even try to tackle him. Just try and beat him on sheer inertia. Mm. I think, I reckon Taniella. You couldn't pay me to stand in front of Taniello while he runs at me. You could pay me to do it. I'll do anything mm. for money. Yeah, you did work for Ruben Murdoch's News of the World for, what, five years, did yep. you? Yep, and I kissed him on the lips too, mate. Mm. It was uh, it was a dark time in my life. but So know. lying down there while Caleb Clark runs over the top of you, yep. no big deal. Yep. Fair enough. And just one more thing I want to touch on before we go. It's good to see that the Chiefs turning around uh, after going through a very dark patch. What was it? It was 14 losses yep. on the trot. They stuck with their coach. They stuck with their team. And look what's happening now. I mean, look, you've got a new interim coach in because as we touched on earlier, Warren's, you know, allegedly over in England looking at houses. So you've got Clayton McMillan in, one of the great Kiwi names. He started in February and he took a lot of losses and there was a lot of pressure on him, but he's turned them around. Yeah, he has. It's great to say I love those regional farm boys, but also just want to say something before we move on. What the fuck is with the lights at Waikato? It looks dark. The Mutt's yeah. training ground on a Thursday night has better visibility than that Waikato ground. I love the cowbells. I love the atmosphere. But I always feel like I've got my brightness on know, the mate. bare minimum. Like I've got 3% left on my phone and I'm trying to watch something before it dies. Why is it always so dark? Can't they get some decent floodlights? Well, mate, I think it's part of the reason why everyone on the South Island of New Zealand has depression. I mean, it's constantly overcast. <laughs> It's dark, you mm. know. It does look nice in photographs in Fjordland, mm. you know, and all these national parks. But, you know, in the suburbs of Dunedin, going into winter, you know, not the most cheery place in the world, mate. And I think on the South Island too, I think they're still running off hydro mm. over there, you know, as green energy is pretty un- unreliable if you ask me so maybe they do need some some coal plants or maybe some nuclear just to yeah well maybe that's how they're getting to net zero i guess they need to put some hundred watt light bulbs up there in the yeah. uh towers yeah and, absolutely because you know. at the moment it's just like those light stands at tradies get at bunnings for like it 80 is, bucks there's like mate, four of those sitting around that, the thing and that could be why mate that kiwi rugby is on the decline yes i absolutely now we should have a quick look ahead to next week waratahs and brumbies at the scg 
Love watching football there. Incredible ground. Will not be there. I don't like watching rugby at the SCG. I don't like watching much at the SCG. In fact, there's not much at Sydney I really like. Yep. This is one that I'll be watching on the Nick Scarly on Stan Sport. Uh, I'll be watching it live. You could make the argument that you'd be closer to the game on Stan Sport on your $5,000 couch than if you were actually watching at the SCG. It's dead set that far from the field. I would be closer to the action watching this game in Queensland. Mm. Because it's a cricket ground, not a football ground. Historically, they have played a lot of games of rugby there, but historically, a lot of people used to die from polio. Yes. Times have moved on. Yeah, it can't be something that we always um, adhere to. Rebels then play the Reds at Amy Park on Saturday. Hopefully the Reds can get the job done against the Rebels and keep on rolling. Should be an interesting game. Rebels after the bye, coming back. Yeah, mate. And as much as we like to heap a load of uh, crap in Melbourne, Mm. they do provide a great sporting atmosphere. And look, if you're in town, if you're down there in Melbourne... Maybe this is a game that you can go and see. It's going to be a bit cold on the weekend down there in the cold country. And I think it would be nice to put on a jacket go and have some cold beers at the ground, maybe go out later in Richmond, maybe ask a stranger for a Peter Stuyvesant when you're yep. out out the back and try and be in bed by one o'clock. I mean, you know, those are the nights that, that you uh, tend to remember when you get old. Yeah, fair enough. Good luck if you're getting to bed at one o'clock down in Melbourne. That city <laughs> does not sleep. Then over in New Zealand, Crusaders will beat the Highlanders in Dunedin. By how much? We're not sure just yet. I reckon a good 40. Maybe 50, but I guess you won't be taking me up on that bet this week. Then the big city boys go at it on Saturday. Arvo, the Blues and the Hurricanes fighting for second place there, I think. I think that Geordie's going to lift again. I mean, mm. I think you'd, going into this contest, you would have mashed potatoes in your brains. Your brain would be more fucked than most people on the Waratahs board mm. if you back the Blues going into this. I mean, I know you hate the Blues. You, I reckon no, this is I, the bounce I back don't, for them. I don't hate the Blues. I'm just not impressed by them. Mm. They don't play a very exciting brand of rugby, no. really. Yeah, no, they can be a little bit boring sometimes the way they play. I guess that's what happens when you've got a pack of All Blacks you want to dominate in the forwards. But unleash Caleb Clark. Unleash Mark Talia. Yeah. Well, if they play the selfish, conservative rugby that have done the All Blacks, you know, a great disservice mm-hmm. over the years, which I think laid the foundation for them choking so many times on yeah. the highest stage. Because when you play rugby that doesn't have any flair, that's what happens to you. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on that game and see what happens there. And the Six Nations also took place over the weekend. France keep making the tackles. Gilchrist just repels. What an effort. 18 phases. It's a game you just don't want to end. Scotland continue. They're a metre short now. Price. Hastings, oh. they're going to do it, are they? Van der Merwe, yes! <laughs> what a game. The Kiwis of Europe, Wales, ended yep. up winning that one. Probably the most undeserving Six Nations winners ever. As we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, they beat Ireland and Scotland with red cards, and then they just beat them. They beat England after a couple of questionable calls. Yeah. France played the best footy, ended up finishing fourth in the competition after the Scots beat them. Terrible. Sad. Sad for France, but I think they're building. They're the dark horses for the World Cup, I reckon. The way that the French play rugby is how rugby was supposed to be played. Yes. The forwards run it. The backs run it. They never take their foot off the gas, the French. I mean, a lot of other teams, including the Wallabies, can be guilty of putting the brakes on a game, 
but the French, they they always go hell for leather. Even if the game is on the line, they always play the way that they want to, which, which is just with absolute flair and panache. And I think you're right in saying that the French were robbed and totally undeserving of coming forth. It's what makes the French so quintessentially French. Scotland actually won that game, which was a huge, huge surprise. Everyone thought France were going to do a fair number because they needed to get the 21 points. I would fucking hate to play against Scotland. I don't know about you guys, but they look so niggly and so just into you all the time. They just don't let up. They're just constantly into you and niggling and playing just hard, tough footy. They would not be fun to play against at all, particularly in the wet. Well, that's part of the reason why, mate, I think that Scotland exists and it's not just far northern England. Mm -hmm. You know, they do have the warrior culture that I think places like New Zealand have, that they just have that mentality where, you know, you're just never going to get on top of them. Yeah, there's a reason the Glasgow kiss is so famous around the world, isn't there, Errol? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, just while we're on Scotland, I've just come across a stat here. Um, Hamish Watson, the flanker for Scotland, vast majority of the stats websites are saying he did not miss a tackle the entire Six Nations, which means uh, he hasn't missed a tackle in almost two years and internationally he's on 242 consecutive tackles without missing one. Shit. That is... I think that tells you... Yeah. That tells you a lot about Scotland. That's incredible. Hasn't missed one for 242. He should not be told that because the very next one yeah, that he yeah. takes, he just the pressure's going to be on. His is like, sleeps like is mm. this the one I'm going to miss? Uh, is this the one I'm going to miss? Uh, is this the one I'm going to miss? But, you know, he's obviously got the mental fortitude of mm. someone who's not on the Waratahs board. So He's very rugged looking as well. I don't reckon I've gone 10 minutes without missing a tackle. So hats off to Hamish and hats off to you, Dave, because that's a great start. Mate, the Wallaby squad, mm. ins and outs. Yeah, there were some real bolters. Guys like Josh Kemeny were in there, Dave Parecki from the Waratahs. Yep. Only four of them. Only four, so I've, I've got to eat my Stan sport hat because at least there's someone with a brain in the Wallabies team that has been like, we just cannot be seen to be putting these Waratahs in, yeah, in the yeah. team. It's a bad look. It's really weird, isn't it, to see a Wallabies squad selected on like merit and hard work being rewarded quite odd it's the strange times we live in a lot of very controversial omissions if you ask me Joe Powell Carlo Big Fergus Fergus was robbed I mean he should have been in that squad I will be his biggest fucking cheerleader until Mm -hmm. the day that he dies or I die a real soft spot I think I I think I'm a bit older than him so I think I'll probably die first but look I know that there were a lot of people in his position who I think you know are just going to slot in maybe Mm. from Japan, maybe just come and be parachuted in after, you know, going out and getting a bit of money, a bit of yen to rub together to go and buy a house in the northern beaches because maybe playing here is not as lucrative as playing in Japan and the property market in Sydney is so crazy, so you need to go to Japan. name who rhymes with Smarkle Smooper, maybe? Maybe, but look, I think Fergus has earned this spot. I mean, he's worked his backside off in the first couple games of the Super Rugby, but... There is always next year, and I think he's going to go on and have a pretty good career as a rugby player. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I look, I feel for Goldilocks Joe Powell as well. I think he deserved to be in there. He's been playing some good footy. The uh, Rebels pack hasn't exactly been dominating, and he's been rolling off the back of that and doing some good stuff. So I feel feel bad for him. And also Carlo, I think he'd be good for the Wallabies. A bit of mongrel, a bit of niggle. Yeah. Be good stuff. That's what we kind of need, I reckon, when mm-hmm. we come up against the uh, All Blacks and the Saffirs later on in the year, and potentially France as well. Hopefully that goes ahead in June. But, yeah, definitely interesting. Um Dave Rennie did say to anyone who was left out and felt like they should have been in, fire up. Yep. Fire up. 
And, mate, thanks to this COVID outbreak in Brisbane, we actually didn't have a game for the Munnabara sources. So uh, yeah. there was a he came up from Brisbane. He was about um, our opposition for mm. last week was... Um, Tanbar, yep. Tanbar, yep. Yeah, they called it off. Yeah, so there was no game. So there's nothing to report yeah, for, yeah, for the Munnabara sources. Yeah, because he'd been in Brisbane on Thursday and then he came up and trained with them. And yep. He was Thursday. actually at the party that this landscaper had... Um, called and it was 150 there at that party mate i think it was closer to six or seven hundred i think that's what the media is reporting yeah, now yeah, but, i can't yeah. believe it i can't believe that bloke got away with that but anyway he was one of the six or seven hundred at this party and he got called off and we did have a saturday morning session i believe i actually wasn't um able to make it to the saturday morning session no. at the gym and but apparently there was only seven or eight guys so we do need to lift we need to get a few more guys yep. there for those saturday morning sessions no game this week because of easter so we'll be back into it with round one after Easter, which is um, very exciting. Looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. But we are getting the wrap-up from outside the booth, so that'll probably do us for this week. Yep. Thanks for your company. Thanks for uh, joining us, and we'll be back again after the Easter break to after bring Easter you break, yep. all the biggest stories that have come out of the land of rugby. Mm -hmm. Hopefully not a Waratahs. No. no. Hopefully. See you next week. See you, bye.